Good morning. <laughs> you can have a seat or you can stand the entire sermon like me. If you just want to like align yourself with me. Or you can just sit. That's fine too. I feel like our hearts can be aligned without you. Wow. Got so quiet. Because when the pastor talks, it's time to be serious. Okay, enough fun and tomfoolery in this room. How are you enjoying our weather? Yay, look at that. How many of you hate this weather? Oh, come on. <laughs> the other day I asked Lisa, will it ever get warm again? And she's like, in July you'll be like, will it ever cool off again? That's kind of how it is. We've been, uh, last week, actually on, on Ash Wednesday, we started diving into this book, uh, this sermon, Ecclesiastes. And if you've read Ecclesiastes, if, remember, if you were here last week when I read what seemed like almost all of Ecclesiastes, even though it was just the first couple chapters, you might think, what is this book doing in my Bible? I read my Bible to get encouragement and hope for the day. I need my verse or word for the day. That didn't do it for me. And yet if we're willing to allow ourselves to be poked at a bit, I think you'll see that this observation, this book, this, um, man, this message from the teacher can open up some things that actually make sense for the first time. I knew, I don't know, a decade ago, 15 years ago, when I'm like, I actually want to get a better understanding of this book, and I'm going to let it do what it needs to do. I almost had a point where I'm like, it needs to stop doing what it needs to do. Because it starts laying some things out that have been um, collected in my heart. That if I was honest with myself, needed to find another place to go. Because what I have found to be true is that Life can feel a little bit like a, a game of musical chairs. Talk about an anxious game. Where you go around these chairs and when the music stops, everybody finds a chair, but there's one less chair than people. And then you're out. And then they pull out another chair and everybody, yay! And now when I was more aggressive and like the bigger kids playing the game, I loved that game because I'm just like, that's my chair. But as you get older, maybe you're like, man, my daughter might take me out getting that chair. And she does. And life can feel that way. Life can also feel like a lot of ups and downs, like um, dancing at a wedding. If you've been to a wedding, You'll see this, that's happened at, at Anna and Jacob's wedding, where there were certain songs. Let's just say it this way. Once the music started, my nephew started what he calls dancing. It was mostly just a convulsing of his body for two and a half hours. I mean, literally, it was like he was just, like he just wasn't going to stop. If, if you were near him, you were going to get decked. Like he just is this kind of movement but then what happens is like when there were songs from like a younger generation, that generation was dancing. But all of a sudden like a song that we inserted that was from like the 70s, like ABBA, all of a sudden all of my siblings got up and probably should not have been running towards the dance floor, but were running 
And then when that song ended, they're all like, okay, where's, where's, my, uh, where's a glass of water? There's moments where we get drawn into things, and it's from what we remember, and it's good. But no matter how long you're dancing for, you still need to remember where your seat was. Because not just because you're tired, but it, you need to stop and go, I need to assess some things for a while. At least some of you should. And that's what this book of Ecclesiastes really is. Are you willing just to stop and assess to see where things are going for you? We talked about a couple of things last week. If you weren't with us, we talked about this realm of the created, the things that are created in this world, the things that us that were created, but also the things we create, the things that we think of, the things that we design and all good things. And yet this teacher calls them vapor, mist, havel, they go away. And then there's this realm of the uncreated, the things like of God or God that never go away. And this teacher is observing that when we get those two things intertwined, when we're counting on the uncreated, we're counting on God to make sure the things that go away don't go away too fast, it leads to all sorts of disappointment potentially. Because when I pursue things that I'm trying to experience God with, or am I counting on God just to provide the things I'm pursuing? The end result is vapor, or deep disappointment. Look at these pronouns. We read this scripture last week, but look at the pronouns and who the teacher said is in charge. This comes from Ecclesiastes 2, 1 through 10. Kind of a summary. I thought in my heart, I will test you with pleasure. I tried cheering myself with wine. I wanted to see what was worthwhile. I undertook great projects. I built houses. I made gardens. I made reservoirs. I bought. I owned. I amassed. I acquired. I became greater by far than anyone. I denied myself nothing. I refused my heart no pleasure. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what had, or I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. The chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. Man, those, those pronouns, I, 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 I. There's something deeply connected with what I do and what is a chasing after the sun versus what God is doing. And it seems like if the eyes are trumping the U's, there's probably something going on there. See, the end result is disappointment, and we're left kind of processing this existence. And sometimes we try to pass this faith on to somebody else, maybe our kids. We're tired of the disappointment, so we pass on something to our kids that maybe tries to feel a little less disappointing. We say it like this, I just want them to find their own path. And that sounds enlightened and woke and all these sorts of things, but really what we're passing on to them is a faith. Finding your own path still is a faith. It's just an empty one. So if you think about what we are doing in an attempt to 
alleviate disappointment that the next generation has, we're passing on to something that's even more mistier than the mist we're experiencing. Is it possible to hand off a story about Jesus that is so beautiful that their freshman philosophy teacher can't rip it out of their heart? Because that's really where it is. It's in your heart. It's where it belongs. And it's in that heart the teacher's challenging us so intensely. The problem is, is that we have mixed the uncreated with the created and call it blessed. Meaning if God gives me all of these things, he's in my life, and if he doesn't, it pushes me away. Before we move on, let's pray. God, help us in one of the most difficult of passages where we are challenged, confused maybe a little bit, to come out the other side and embrace that which you have for us. Help us to assess and survey really, really well. In your name, amen. There's a song sung in 1965 by the birds. Anybody heard of the birds? And if you look at the, if you look at the song and say the lyrics, it says, Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 3 goes like this. Sing along if you want. <laughs> For every season, turn, turn, turn. You're like, what is he singing? Sometimes listen to the oldies. Well, it's, a, it's called a radio. And then you listen or type into Spotify, songs before I was born. There is a time for everything and a season for every, act for every activity under the heavens. Time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. Time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. This appears to be a list of things that maybe that should happen. I don't think the teacher is saying, he's saying these are all things that should happen. I think he's just observing these are things that do happen. I'm not sure he's trying to make a case for there's a time to actually hate. Or there's a time for actually for war. I just think these things happen. There's time in your life you're going to be really angry. And time in your life you're going to be really sad. There's a time for joy. There's a time for peace. He's simply stating what has happened. And this poem obviously has a, it's a poem of couplings, right? There's a time for war, a time for peace, a time for love, a time for hate. There's these couplings, and all of those couplings fit into one. It fits into the first one. A time to be born and a time to die. And then everything without that. There's this word you see over and over and over. What is it? to time, in case you forgot the verse. 
There's a time. There's time. There's time. It's the Hebrew word zaman. It means seasons. What this means is change will happen. Change will happen. Some of you love change. Some of you hate change. You know when you love change is when you're in a bad spot. You can't wait for change. You know when you do not like change is when you're in a good spot. You never want it to go away. And for a lot of us, we stop assessing and we think where we are is a good spot, but it's not. The implication from the created space is this. Are you experiencing something bad? Just wait. It'll get better. Philosophies like this say, like, time cures all pain. Or there aren't rainbows without rainy days. That one never did much for me. Or is it good? Just wait. It will get bad. This one isn't quite as inspiring. As the philosophist Andy Bernard says, I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you leave them. Some of you are like, where can I read Andy Bernard? <laughs> I'll just let that joke sit there. He's a character on The Office. Okay, I'll just let it out there. But this teacher makes an observation in the midst of this life. Okay? In the midst of the life we're all leading, we're good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. He makes this observation, and I lost my way for a while this week in this, like... I got a little like, what is time? And I'm like, what am I doing? You know, I almost put like my beanie on, you know, like a beatnik hat and a pipe and time, it's just wasting away. But here he goes. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Here's the line. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. This is all one section of the sermon. He's saying there's a time for this, time for this, time for this, but God has placed in every human heart a sense of eternity. The teacher has said something we must understand. He makes it possible for change to be beautiful. The uncreated has placed something within every created. It's eternity. It's this word ha'alom. It's the Hebrew word ha'alom. It means an era of time, or it means independent of time, or eternity. Now, what a lot of theologians or Bible teachers would, might do is like, here's your life, God's placed in you this eternity, and that comes later, so for now, hang in there with all you got. This is opposite of the teaching of Jesus when he says the kingdom of God is in you right now. So if you're sitting here going, I just have to endure this life, my broken body, and one day I get to go to heaven, that is incorrect theology. Most people will think the reason I become a Christian is so I get to go to heaven. While that is an amazing benefit of being a Christian, right? We're forgiven. We get to go to heaven. What Ecclesiastes, what the teacher is saying a thousand years before Jesus brought it to light again, is that eternity has been placed in your heart to be experienced 
in the midst of the ups and downs of life. Hot alone. One of the things is longing for something that cannot be untouched by events. We have a longing within us to stop losing moments, don't we? Like, nah, that was a really good moment. I want that one to continue. That one was a really bad moment. I want that one to go away. What is really strange about the human existence, though, is that those bad moments seem to feel like they last forever. And the good moments are like, when they might be the exact amount of time. We all experience this. We all experience some, there are some events we hear every click of the seconds on the clock. Because time can feel really slow and painful, can't it? On the final leg of my flight, home from Rwanda, flying from Amsterdam back here. We've all been on long flights, I'm guessing. But it's about a ten and a half hour flight. I fell asleep. I woke up and I was convinced we had about an hour left. We had nine hours and 45 minutes left. <laughs> it was like tick, 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 tick. So it got so bad, I was watching Pitch Perfect with my daughter. And I'm just like, I just want to spend time with you, honey. She goes, Dad, it's pitch perfect. Even that seemed better than tick, 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 tick. There was a point in that flight, my mind was telling me, you're never going to land. You're going to be in the air forever. Because that's how sometimes life feels. In a little deeper sense. When you're waiting for a phone call from someone who either promised to call, from a date, from a job interview, or from a doctor who's going to tell you the test results. Those moments feel really, really long. Because the same amount of time can also feel like it's flying by. A two-week honeymoon in Maui feels like that. When you're laughing, Conversing from a place of shalom, a reconciliation with friends that feels like, man, where did the time go? That was amazing. Moments of joy, peace, happiness where time disappears. That's ha'alom. The experience when time kind of just flies. Now, I'm not saying that that eternity that Christ placed in the, that was placed into our hearts is just those moments of joy, but they're really, really closely connected. That even though there's ups and downs of life, God has placed in everyone the ability to go, I can separate myself from time through joy and peace and reconciliation and time with people. What we talked about last week was, are we responding to the life given to you versus chasing something you cannot catch? Because here's what the teacher is saying. The things you create, buy, obtain, consume, desire will go away. They're vapor. But the thing the uncreated has placed in your heart is ageless. It's disconnected from the effects of time. That's why we can sit with somebody and connect about things that are bigger than life. And feel like, whew, 
That was really, really good. He's comparing the created that's controlled by time to the uncreated, which is independent of time. And where we get really confused is down is when we demand the uncreated to be on our timetable. We do that, don't we? Like, God, if you love me, you'll come through right here. And that's what the teacher is saying is folly, is foolishness. You see, love, joy, peace, happiness, the things that you really, really enjoy is hot halom. Because that's what God has placed in your heart. What the teacher is saying is you don't have to be subject to what time does to people. This is so good. Not because I wrote it, but just because it's really good. What the teacher is saying, lock in. You do not have to be subject to what time does to people. There is a possibility of experiencing eternity in a life of finite time. Jesus called this the kingdom of God. And when Jesus came and he started talking to people, he is saying to people, the kingdom of God is in you. I really believe he is connecting something that this kind of frustrated teacher was talking about when he says, God has placed eternity in you. Jesus is like, the kingdom of God is in you. That thing which you long for, I mean, deeply long for and occasionally get to engage with, that is the kingdom of God. In the midst of all these seasons of opposites, a place of sense has been placed in you. Just as the story of God begins, the very beginning of the Bible begins with, in the beginning, God. Sometimes we just need to stop there. Not like, in the beginning, God. God what? No, in the beginning, God. And Jesus clarifies this significance by saying, seek first the kingdom of God. He might be saying, seek first that space placed within you by God, connect with God, the place that time cannot touch. It just gets hidden by what we value, the vapor. It just gets crushed by the vapor. It just gets like, if I just had one more thing, or if my church was this way, or if our people were that way, then everything would be better. Then it's like, no, 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 no. Seek first God. Remember the pronouns at the very beginning the teacher's using? I thought, I will test, I tried, I wanted, I undertook. Jesus picks up these same pronouns in a story that he tells and the danger of them and actually separates you from connecting with the hot alone with inside of you. He writes this in Luke 18, or he says this as Luke writes it. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, which would mean he was really religious, and the other tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about who? Himself. Hey, God, let me tell you about myself. He's like, I already know. You ain't that much. Come on, that's funny. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. Even though I give 15% to the waitress, 
I give 10% to you. Man, not everything I say is that deep. I'm just making <laughs> observations about life. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Here's Jesus' conclusion. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, rather than the I man, the one who said, God, have mercy on me, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. There's two moments. One man experiences ha'alom. The other man just vapor. Who experienced the ha'alom, the peace, the eternity of God? The one who said, God, have mercy on me. The one who was like, I've done nothing to experience it, but I wanted you to tap back into this. And the man who said, I, 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 and I'm so glad I'm not like them, just got vapor. How many times, let me back up. What I realized this week is how often I pray and ask God for vapor. He had to correct me and redirect me. He's like, you really just want that? That's going to last about a minute. Or do you want something deeper, more sustainable meaning? Okay, enough of the big philosophy. How do we tap into this? What do we do? How can we? The first one, trying to make it as simple as I can. The first way that I have found is a trusting relationship with Jesus. A trusting relationship with Jesus. The key word here is trusting. Not just a relationship with Jesus, a trusting relationship with Jesus. This is one of the things I talk with couples a lot about when they tell me they want to get married. I'm like, do you trust each other? Of course. Tell me how you trust each other. There's a dependency. I am counting on the other person to tell me if I have food on my face kind of relationship. I am trusting the other person to reflect back to me the things I am doing may not be as good as I thought they were. What Lisa's really good at is you're not as funny as you think you are, Dale. And I'm like, but you used to laugh. You're like, nah, that's the beginning of time. <laughs> Reflection. We need to have someone help us see our own face, our vapor, the things we hang on to. We need someone to say, you know what? There's nothing there for you. Trusting in the one who placed eternity within us actually knows best how eternity is supposed to be experienced. A trusting relationship says, you created this. Tell me how this works. This is the place of all things we strive to make up our identity, all the things we desire and call it identity, all the things that we acquire and call it identity. This is that place of trusting relationship where we go, I'm going to place this under you and yet you determine what my identity is, who I am, who you have asked me to be. First one is a trusting relationship with God. Just show me the space. What do I need to let go of? The second one is this, an ongoing participation in this trusting relationship with Jesus. Chew on this one for a second. An ongoing participation. Participation isn't just an ongoing God, you keep giving me stuff. An ongoing means like 
hey, we're in this together. Man, that's a beautiful thing. This participation is not just about future. It's not about the past. It's about right now. I mean, right now. Because what we have is right now. The past is, is the past. And while it can be super helpful in certain realms, it's still the past. And Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. You got enough stuff going today. Right? And so many of us try to control the elements of our life so we have tomorrow. But what you have is right now. Participate in this moment now. Because what I've discovered life really is, is moments placed on top of each other, right? It's moment after moment after moment after moment after moment. They're not all equal moments, because one moment could be derailing a lot of moments. But it's simple little things placed on top of each other. To use a sports analogy, if you're a big baseball fan and your team is really failing, they can't turn around and win 10 games in one day. They have to just go out and win one. And see if they can put a few wins together. Two, three. Okay, we're starting to breathe a little bit. Maybe start believing in ourselves a little bit. If your marriage is in trouble, it's not just about fixing it all in one day. It's about creating some moments. Might be moments of encouragement. Might be moments of thankfulness, gratitude. I see what you're doing. It's about building moments on top. It's not about making your church perfect. It's about moments of building on top. So where are you at in this moment? Because we have a choice every day regarding the attitude that we'll embrace for that day, do we not? And we just get to choose how we respond to the events. We don't get to determine what the events are. And what we do with time and vapor are a couple of the ways that we participate with Jesus. It really is. Just because we have this passing vapor in our life, it's and it feels like it's not helping. It, it, it could. It doesn't mean you don't pay attention to the things. Because there's still room for what we referenced last week as vapor management. We still need to pay attention to the things. We don't just go, whatever. We pay attention. Because telling stories with people in a circle and therapeutic processes are useful and good and understanding the past to bring them into now. But all the teachers trying to point out here, okay? All the teachers trying to point out is for those of us who will honestly admit that we are weary of trying to manage the vapor, there's another place you can go. There's a space planted in you. And it might be the last place you'll go to look. It's in your own heart. We look everywhere. For those of you who are just willing to go, man, I'm kind of tired, a little exhausted. So everything that is happening in this realm of time where vapor is passing away, especially the pain, and I'm just going to tap into pain for a little bit, for just a minute, and then I promise I'll get out, but I, can't, I have to because Ecclesiastes taps into it pretty hard. Did you just lose a bunch of money? Did you just lose your job? Is your marriage struggling? Did somebody cheat on you? Did you cheat on somebody? Were your kids 
no longer talk with you. You're estranged from them. Did you get diagnosed with something terrible? Did someone you really love pass away? Is their friendship strained or failing? And even those things are vapor, they're still really painful and hard. And in the midst of this roller coaster of life that those things have, Solomon is observing, the teacher is observing, and Jesus is reiterating that there's a space of eternity within you that you can access with an active participation with Jesus that gives you breath in those moments, no matter how hard those things can be. That there's something disconnected from the time that's taking away from you. Jesus said it like this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. If you're tired, and there's going to be some of us that's like, no, no, I'm just going to wrestle this sucker to the ground. I'm going to make it submit to me. Good luck. But for those of you who are like, man, I'm just tired. What the teacher is observing, no matter the cycles of life, eternity has been placed inside of you. It's accessible to your heart. And what Jesus is saying, come rest with me, let it go, and I will participate in the hot alone which I placed in you to begin with. And you will find rest for your souls. My hope is that we have the courage to trust and practice participating with the Master, with Jesus. It's what it is. It's trust. It's participation. Participation means, Jesus, I praise you, I give to you, and Jesus, what are you seeing in me? Bring me to a different space. Even when we're inundated, maybe with a traumatic past or a very terrifying future that we've created in our head. Or maybe you have an incredibly blissful past and you wish you still had it. Or you have an incredible exciting future that you wish would just get here sooner. Even though all of those things are happening, there's this place that's free from all of it. For moments. For when we can rest comfortably in the moment we call now, I mean right now, no matter what else is happening in your life, the opportunity to rest in that moment is hot alone. You're participating with eternity right now. Do you believe it? If you don't yet, that's okay. But you're going to keep searching for something until you actually kind of tap into the very thing why you were created, the longing of eternity with God, or at least the longing for something that's not dictated by time, and that is God, that he has something different for you. So as we close, I want to pray that over you this week. I want to pray that you experience those amazing times alone with God where 
It's not the ups and downs of the world, but it's the beauty of what he has for you touching your heart. God, I pray for my friends and my family, my fellow church goers that are here today. God, I pray that they would experience your peace, your eternity, your disconnection from time and just an intimacy with you, with others. May we not hang on to the things that we want, that we aspire, that we think are going to make us happier, but fully embrace you, who you are. So through the power of the Holy Spirit that raised your son from the dead, may we experience and live out this week something different. We love you. In your name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Bye.